Welcome to the Masterful Coach Podcast with Molly Claire, where coaches learn skill mastery, business mastery, and life mastery at a whole new level. If you're ready to create a meaningful coaching business that makes a difference, you're in the right place. And now your host, Master Coach Instructor, Molly Claire. All right, coaches, you are going to love today's guest. I know a lot of you probably already know Krista St. Germain. Say hi, Krista. Hello, guests <laughs> of Molly Claire's podcast. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode because I know in working with so many of you that a place where you're often asking me for help is with coaching on grief specifically. And so that's what we're going to be talking with Krista about here today. So Krista um, hosts the Widowed Mom podcast. Yes. And, yes, uh, and that is her specialty. So I'm going to have Krista tell you more about that, but so Krista really helps widowed moms and she helps them through the grief process and also brings coaching into that space. So she has a lot to offer. And my hope is that as you listen today, you can apply this to your clients and whatever, yes. whatever, or wherever they may be experiencing grief. So let's dive in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, Krista, tell my people about why you even went down the life coaching road to begin with. Yeah. It definitely wasn't a road I planned to go down. I yeah, remember that's when the I case first, for most of us, right? Right. I, I first started listening to the Life Coach School podcast and I remember thinking, oh, this stuff is so good. And this, like everything she's saying is what I need to hear. And then also telling people to listen to it, but saying things like, but don't, but don't worry about the life coaching part. Like, because I kind of thought that was like snake oil salesman-ish. Mm. I don't know. I just didn't. For sure. I'm from, I'm from Kansas. We don't, we didn't have life coaches uh, back then. So, but no, I, I started listening to the podcast, but then I really didn't actually have my own personal coaching experience until after my husband died. So when I was 40, he and I were coming back from, and this is my second husband. So my first husband that marriage did not end well. Second husband, Hugo was kind of the redemption story, right? The, tr mm -hmm. the, the proof that like mm -hmm. good men do exist. Um, mm -hmm. and things were just going so well. And I was on such a high mm -hmm. and then a drunk driver came and I, we were trying to change the tire on my car along the side of the highway. And I had a flat tire. Hugo had pulled up behind me. He was, you know, just the stubborn man, like well, I don't want to wait on AAA. I can change the tire. Let's just get home, mm. you know? And so as he was trying to change it, a driver that we later found out had both meth and alcohol in his system hit the back of Hugo's car. He just didn't see us. Mm. And so, you know, within a day, like my, I love my life. It's amazing. My best days are in front of me, went <laughs> to my best days are behind me and my mm. life felt like, you know, it really exploded. So mm -hmm. that was not the place where I needed coaching though. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I didn't really discover coaching and, or, or have a coaching experience until after I had done some therapy and done some of that early acute grief work, which mm -hmm. for most of us mm -hmm. looks like just coming to terms with, you're not actually in a nightmare. This really is your life, mm -hmm. right? This actually did happen mm -hmm. and talking about it enough so that the part of your brain that still is seeking them starts to realize that they're not on a business trip. Like they're not coming mm -hmm. back. And so mm -hmm. therapy helped me do that. And then mm -hmm. I got to a place with, where I now describe it as like a stagnation zone or a grief plateau is how I, I see my mm -hmm. clients experiencing it and how I experienced it, which was 
but everybody on the outside thinks you're great. They think Mm -hmm. you're doing well. You Mm -hmm. look like you're doing well, right? And they're telling you, you're so strong and I'm so proud of you. And I don't know if I could ever do what you're doing. And you kind of see why they're saying that because yes, to the external world, it does look like, you know, the to-do list is being handled and the kids are Mm -hmm. getting fed and you're getting them to their activities. And maybe, you know, you're back to work if you want to be. But what's happening on the inside of you totally doesn't match what's happening on the outside of you. Mm. And so on the inside, you're feeling hollow and robotic and kind of worried. Like, is this Mm. all it is? Is this my new normal? This is not really Mm. what I want, but I don't know how to make it any better. And that's at the point where I discovered coaching and I learned all the tools that I needed to learn that I wasn't getting Mm -hmm. from therapy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so then... It was so powerful for me. I was like, okay, I got to become a coach. Mm -hmm. And I actually was trying to do both at the same time. I don't know if I ever told you that, but um, in fact, because I certified in person Mm -hmm. in August of 2017, Mm -hmm. and I had literally signed myself up for a marriage and family therapy master's degree Mm -hmm. that started the weekend after that life coaching certification. So I was going to- Oh, you're kidding. I didn't know was. I was going to have to leave certification a day early. Mm-hmm. just so I could get back in time to start this MFT program because mm-hmm. my thought was, well, life coach again, mm-hmm. life coaching, it's powerful, but like you, I probably not going to make any money doing that or p- nobody's gonna take me seriously. Mm-hmm. And so it, it took me a while to really believe that I could make a difference with coaching. Mm-hmm. And finally, you know, I got to the point before I got to to the actual in-person certification where I decided, no, I don't want this MFT. Mm-hmm. It's scarier to be a life coach, mm-hmm. but that's what's, that's what's moving my needle. And I, that's what I have to work with. People yeah. On. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I know everyone listening can already tell this is going to be so useful, you know, in, in helping them to really help clients who are struggling and know yeah. when and where and how to plug in. So thank you so much for sharing your personal story. Totally at least a little taste of it. And it's really meaningful. And I, I remember Krista, when I first met you at that in-person training, because I was one of the, the coach instructors, right? Mm-hmm. And I just remember you seeing you and w- what at the time there were like 18 people in the group or something. It was not. Or was it when there remember. was more? I think it was maybe 50 or 60, but okay. yeah, it was still one of those groups where, yeah, it was a small group compared to what yeah. happened after that group for sure. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And I just even remember then seeing you and just really being amazed at how, how strong you were, how clear mm-hmm. that was. And as you were talking, I'm wondering if that was part of that phase too, where it was like strong on the outside, but still, still, you know, by then I was feeling a lot better, mm-hmm. but, but what that reminds me of, as you mentioned it was when I started to realize <laughs> as the client, Mm -hmm. how the coaches were struggling to coach. Because I remember in that training, standing up and asking Brooke to be coached on something. And I said, Mm -hmm. basically, Mm -hmm. my husband died a year ago Mm -hmm. and I am struggling with my relationships with men because I can't tell who wants to date me and who wants to be my friend and I'm not ready to date. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I said, my husband died a year ago, the whole room was like, Yeah, Everybody I remember that pool. too. Do you actually, remember that? Absolutely. Yeah, and then Brooke was Brooke didn't even coach me on it because she used it as an example of how to recognize when we have fallen in the pool. Mm. Like I never even got coached on it mm-hmm. because it was like, okay, wait, see what just happened. Like what just happened? Yeah, what just happened? Yeah. 
you know, total yeah. fear. Which is why I so. think this is such a good conversation for the coaches listening, because it can be something that oftentimes coaches aren't sure what to do with it. Right. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And I okay, get it. So, yeah. yeah but I also course. get what it's like to be the client when you're like, I just wanted to get coached. I just wanted some help and yeah. nobody could help me because they all just thought my situation was so awful. Like I didn't, I didn't totally. want coaching on my dead husband. Right. Like that wasn't even, right. <laughs> wasn't right. Even, right. You know, that was just like the precursor and so, yeah, 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 but nobody, yeah. Nobody could help. Yeah. 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 So thank goodness you're there to help people like that now. And, and yeah, and tell, tell my listeners more about how would you describe what you do for the women that you help? Yeah. So it kind of depends on who I'm talking to, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking to, if it's the marketing side or if yeah, it's the yeah. coaching side, but kind of thinking about it in both ways. Mm-hmm. So I help widowed moms figure out how to love life again, right? Mm-hmm. Even though their spouse died and mm-hmm. not just get back to a life that's tolerable, mm-hmm. but like to genuinely love life again, which mm-hmm. can be really hard when you have a lot of judgments about what it means about you and your spouse if you love your life again, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of stuff that comes mm-hmm. up, but what I'm really doing as most of us, you know, are doing coaching is I am helping them change their relationship with their thoughts and change mm-hmm. their relationship with their feelings. Mm-hmm. And just starting to, to, to be able to consciously choose how they want to, to see their lives and themselves. And mm-hmm. knowing that a lot of what they're experiencing is caused by a misunderstanding of grief. Right. By, by some myths that because we are so terrible at grief as a culture that they have bought into and are therefore struggling with. And so we have to untangle all of that. Yes. Yes. Well, and I remember reading, you know, just even going through divorce, a lot of people don't realize that there is a grief that comes with going through divorce, right? The loss of a marriage. And I, I, I wish I had the book in front of me, but I remember reading, um, Oh gosh, well, you know what this book is. It's a purple book. It's like, is it the grief handbook or something like that? I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to put it in the show notes, but it's an amazing book. Yeah, the one? grief recovery handbook. <laughs> can just grab a, I can grab some other purple grief books. That's the one. How, <laughs> many, so gr- how many purple grief books are there? I have a lot of grief books, Molly. A lot. But I remember just reading about it and thinking, wow, these are all the things people say. And these are all the worst things. And this teaches us how to not like, this does not teach us how to handle grief. And in fact, it teaches us the exact opposite, the exact opposite of what we need. So I really, I love that you do what you do. And I want to highlight as well, as we dive in that you're actually offering an advanced certification for coaches who want help with coaching on grief. Yes, I am. It's, you know, it's funny when you do something all day, I know you'll relate to this, right? You do it all day and probably coaches listening can relate in the same way because whatever it is that you have chosen, assuming you have chosen kind of a specific niche, Mm -hmm. you do it so much that you take for granted what you know. Yes. And I have had so many conversations with coaches. And so often when I have coached in other people's programs, they will say things like, I'm so glad it's you right? Like I have this grief Mm -hmm, issue, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. while I find to be flattering, it's Mm -hmm. also very concerning Mm -hmm, because what mm -hmm. that tells me is that either they don't feel comfortable going to other coaches Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. or other coaches are shying away from grief, right. And not letting them know that they can help with grief. Everybody experiences grief at some point in time. And then couple that with coaches coming up to me and asking me, how do I coach my client on this or that, Mm -hmm. or the other grief related Mm -hmm. thing? I kind of finally got to the point that happened a little bit after mastermind where I was like, okay, we have got to get in there and solve this because I cannot coach all the people who are experiencing grief and everybody's client's going to get this at some point, even if it's not your niche, they're going to come to you and they're going to be experiencing grief. And if you're not helping them, they're not getting help. And I just can't, I just can't have it. So yeah, yeah, working, working on that and it'll be grief. It's grief and post-traumatic growth because I don't, Mm -hmm. I I think still there's a lot of work to be done with Mm -hmm. understanding post-traumatic growth and how do we coach on that and where clients might, you know, um, get stuck or, or resist. Yeah. 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 So great. Yeah. Krista and I have been working, kind of been like accountability and masterminding buddies as we've been creating advanced certifications in these different areas. And um, it's great. So I think that it's um, it's really from our perspective, right, with, with working behind the scenes with training coaches, it's nice to be able to see some of these voids and to help fill them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, I just can't stand it. I'll- yeah. 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 I just can't do it. There's no reason that people can't feel fully comfortable coaching grief. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it tiptoeing and not coaching bravely and, you know, giving clients experiences like I had at coach training. Yeah. Not, not helpful. We can not do better. Helpful. Yeah. Yes. So I would love to actually hear from you. What are the biggest mistakes that you see when it comes to coaching on grief? Yeah. Um, there's a, and I hate to even call them mistakes, mm-hmm. but some of the maybe challenges or opportunities that I see mm-hmm. again, this idea that I can't be honest, I can't be brave. I can't truly show my client the result that they are creating with their brain because somehow there is an exception when it's grief, mm-hmm. right? That the model doesn't apply or I have to tiptoe around. I can't be honest. I'm we just kind of create this eggshell experience where we don't bravely show the client what they really need to see to increase their awareness and change their lives. And we think it's because we're trying to protect them or be kind, or maybe we're mm-hmm. worried about, you know, they will think that we're insensitive, but really mm-hmm. we're doing them such a disservice because we're not giving them the awareness that they need to be mm-hmm. able to make the changes that they came to us to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I see us just really tiptoeing and not being brave. And also I think that part of that comes from, we just don't really understand how to hold space and be neutral, mm-hmm. but also be empathetic and compassionate. And I think mm-hmm. we're so worried that we're going to come across as cold or insensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and we don't know how to find that balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think as you were talking, because this is something that, you know, I work with my clients on in terms of coaching ability is that like, we think of neutral, like you said, as cold, but actually an open and neutral space, even though I know a lot of people don't like that word. I think sometimes that word Mm -hmm. can, can have a negative connotation for people in this space. But actually I think about it as like, I'm not adding or taking away from any of your feelings here. Right. Mm-hmm. Which in a sense is sort of the most validating thing you can do because you're allowing your client to think and feel yeah. what they do. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to ask you as you said that is 
how do you describe to, or how would you describe to these coaches, how you know when the client needs to see a model on what they're creating and when a client just needs space for their emotions? Because I know I see a Mm -hmm. big difference in those two. How do you articulate that? Yeah. So I pay a lot of attention to what I perceive in the session as far as what's going on in the client's facial expressions and their affect and how much emotion I'm seeing. And so if I perceive that they're in a place that, you know, they really aren't even able to think about their thinking, Mm -hmm. then, you know, because their emotional intensity is so high that the part of their brain that they need to access just isn't available to them, then it's definitely not a time where we're going to be thinking about our thinking. Then we need to Mm -hmm. be considering, you know, what's the feelings part of it. Also, I ask Mm -hmm. sometimes, right? Like what would be more useful to you? Do you want to allow this feeling? Do you want to like talk about what's happening emotionally or do you mm-hmm. want to understand what's happening in terms of your thinking or something along those lines? I will ask and mm-hmm. then let the client choose too. I don't mm-hmm. presuppose that I know the answer to that always mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. sometimes I will think they are ready to look at their thinking and maybe they're not or vice versa. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes too, when I'm thinking of showing a client their mind, and I know that everybody knows this, I, this may feel very obvious to people, but I feel they need to say it anyway. The goal isn't to get them to think happy thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we're not trying to say, okay, if you if you think a thought that makes you feel sad because your person died, mm-hmm. we don't have to change that model, mm-hmm. right? Just because we did a model doesn't mean we're, we have to change it. Or this is like a wrong or problematic model. <laughs> exactly, right. But But even doing the model can help the client feel more empowered Mm-hmm. Right. When they know that actually, okay, maybe I do want to choose to be sad. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of feeling like it's my only option, mm-hmm. sometimes just that subtle switch where we're not even doing a new model or trying to change how we mm-hmm. feel. We're just moving from it's happening to me to actually I'm more powerful than I thought and I'm creating it mm-hmm. can be, mm-hmm. I think, so powerful mm-hmm. because I, I don't want to not miss my husband. Yeah. Of course. And I have a partner. I still, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't want to be like yeah. happy that, that he died. Yeah. That doesn't feel good to me. Um, so yeah. it, it doesn't always have to be maybe what we're used to in terms of thinking, okay, well we do an unintentional model and then, you know, we show the client what they're creating and they won't like it. And so they're going to want to do something intentional and it's not necessarily that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I know you're talking about the model a lot. Is the model, is that your primary coaching tool that you use? Is most of your work based around that? It A lot of it is. I also do tapping and I have a process that I use for feeling feelings. But mm-hmm. one of my goals for my clients is that by the time we're done, they're able to coach themselves. And so a lot of it is very model centric. I do break mm-hmm. a lot of rules though mm-hmm. with the model mm-hmm. and my philosophy is that, you know, the tool is secondary to the client. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we want to, whatever we're doing, it's in service of what the client needs and, and meeting them where they are. And sometimes that means, you know, some unauthorized (laughs) uses of the model, maybe off the book, off the book, right. We wouldn't teach it in CCP because it would confuse people. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm less interested in being a, a, you know, model purist and and working it to the nth degree and more interested in showing people that, you know, 
it can be as simple as identifying, is this moving me toward what I want or away from what I want? And if the answer is away, mm-hmm. I get to be the boss of what I believe, you know, when it shows up in my brain and even slight little mm-hmm. pivots, right. And focusing on cognitive diffusion and, um, those tools I think mm-hmm. are super powerful. Yeah. And one thing kind of going back to that question that I had asked you that I know I've often talked with my clients about in terms of knowing when to look at thoughts versus when to look at emotions is kind of like, which one of these will move this client forward, right? Because sometimes looking at the thoughts, taking a cognitive approach, all that's going to do is just spin you round and round, Yeah, right? And sometimes what needs to happen is being with the feelings, seeing the feelings, processing the feelings. And so I don't think there's one answer or another other than asking the question, right? Mm-hmm. And really taking a look at which one, which which approach would move the client forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's a matter of knowing, like, what are they struggling with? Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to assume that, you know, the original emotion they present to you is the struggle. Yes. Yes. Right. And yeah. And more often than not, it's, you you know, I find that it's, it's, their resistance to that emotion, their judgment of that emotion. And especially with grief, this is really important. If we don't understand the myths of grief, we won't understand the reasons our clients are bringing us the coaching requests that they're bringing us. Mm, Yes. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so to give you an example, most of us have this idea and I just heard it on a podcast yesterday and I wanted to punch this man and he Mm. was supposedly very well educated. But he said, grief has a beginning, a middle and an end. And I wanted to push my hand Mm -hmm. through the phone. It doesn't, right? Grief Mm -hmm. does not have an end, but if you think it does, Mm -hmm. and that's not lining up with your experience, then guess how many coaching requests are going to be based on this idea that it ends, right? You should be further along than you are. This idea of backsliding, moving on. Like there's just so many for each grief myth that exists, so many ways that it materializes into Mm -hmm. a problem in the client's life. And if you don't understand, or you have bought into that grief myth, which is not your fault by the way, because I did too, before I had my own, you know, big grief experience. Yeah. Um, But if you don't understand that, then sometimes you're, you're not really getting to the root of the problem or helping the client see why they are experiencing that thing as a problem. Mm-hmm. And that, that I think, you know, we just got to do, but we, we just kind of suck at grief. So, so we, <laughs> <laughs> right. We kind of got to like throw out everything we think we know about grief and start over Yeah, and then coach from there. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say to, I mean, my listeners, even, even from a like personal standpoint, because every one of my listeners is obviously going to have a a client, right? Who's experiencing grief at some level, Mm -hmm. but also every one of my listeners are going to not only experience it themselves, but they're going to have people close to them who are experiencing grief. So what, like, what guidance would you give like the human race in general, like people, where can people really learn some of these basic things about these grief myths and how we can do a better job with grief across the board? That's a big question. So, but I love that you asked it. 
Um, I've recorded a podcast episode that might be good for people to listen to called For Those Who Love Us. Mm-hmm. So if you've got someone in your life who is experiencing grief and you're trying to support them, I recorded that episode specifically Perfect. so that they could go and like, mm-hmm. here are the things you're probably inclined to say, and here might be some better yeah. alternatives. And this is why, you know, this is what's happening. The person, um, not to say that it's ever, um, formulaic or the same because grief is so highly individual, but that's a good starter. Right. Um, and I think just understanding like I did an episode called the myths of grief, like some of those basic things mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. a little bit of educating will help. And also kind of broadening our definition of what grief is, because when I'm talking about it in my own coaching, I'm specifically talking about a death loss. But of mm-hmm. course, that is only a, you know a portion of grief. There's all sorts of of yes. losses, right? So it's it's any it's the the natural response, a human's natural response to a perceived loss. Yes, right. Talk about open ended. Yes. What is it that we could perceive as a loss? That's so many things. There's so Absolutely. many, um, not only so many misunderstandings about grief. Most people think of, you know, the five stages of grief. That's, Mm -hmm. that tends to be what they know about when they think about grief, but there are all Mm -hmm. these other grief theories nobody's Mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. And, and there are many, many types of grief and, and, you know, anticipatory grief and disenfranchised grief and complicated, Mm -hmm. like all kinds of grief. And most people don't know any of those things too. So, um, I think we have to cut ourselves some slack, give ourselves some grace recognize we don't know it all. And you know, that's okay. If we're trying to support someone, we probably are going to put our foot in our mouth and later mm-hmm. wish we had, we hadn't said the thing that we said, you know, and that's just the way of it. I was, yeah. as, as I was thinking about non-death losses at mastermind, um, when Rachel Hart was talking about how, when she got to a million dollars, she cried for seven days. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. 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 So we were talking about it later and I was like, you know, that's grief, right? And we don't think about those kinds of things as being grief. Like that's grief. You expected mm-hmm. that when you got to a million dollars, you would be a different person. You expected mm-hmm. one thing mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. And it mm-hmm. felt like a loss, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it's not, nobody died, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was still grief, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, just, you know, thinking about for my listeners and the, you know, the people that they're working with in all these diverse situations, I think there can be a loss of what you believed would be the case in your marriage, right? The loss in a divorce, the loss in, you know, having a child with disabilities and kind of that Mm -hmm. loss of what you believed would be. Or yeah. even, you know, when our when a child's life goes differently than we thought it would, right? Yes. Like all of these things. Um, I love that you brought that up because I think it's probably opening up my listeners' eyes and minds to all the ways they may be encountering this. Yeah. I mean, just right? think about our, our whole COVID experience. Oh, right? think absolutely. about all the grief that went along with that. All of those, all of our children, at least I'm thinking of mine, you know, my daughter's in the soft uh, was a sophomore at the time. Yeah. Grieving the whole normalcy of her entire sophomore and junior year. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, we, we really do need to think about it as a, a very individual term. It's not something, it's kind of like trauma where, you know, we've, Mm -hmm. 
a while ago, I think if you would ask somebody what trauma was, they would have given you a very specific list of events that were yeah. they deemed as traumatic yeah. as opposed yeah. to now where people are starting to see, oh no, actually different people experience things as traumatic because it's, it's, it has to do with how they receive it and experience yes. it and how, and, and grief is the same way. So just because we might not understand someone's grief experience doesn't mean that they aren't having one and that we don't call it grief. Mm-hmm. Um, even within the same family and you're talking about a death loss, lots of people experience that same loss very differently. Again, yeah. thoughts, feelings, actions, yeah. all about yeah, yeah. the perception yeah. of, of the loss and what it means to the person. Well, I think what's interesting is you're talking, it's like, you know, we talk about that circumstances, situations, things in life are neutral, right? And it's our perception of them, the thoughts and feelings we have that create our experience. And sometimes I think that as coaches, there can be a tendency to use that as a way to minimize thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. as less important or something. But I think the truth is that our client is having an experience, whether we believe that specific situation or circumstance warrants those thoughts and feelings, it really doesn't matter, right? Like I remember, and I may have told the story on here before, because I, I always think about this moment when this happened. So we were, I was driving with my kids in a terrible rainstorm and you know, when the rain is like coming down really hard and you're kind of terrified in the car <laughs> because mm-hmm. you can't White really knuckling see. It the whole way. Yeah. Yes. I couldn't see it was pouring rain. I was like gripping the steering wheel. And if, you know, my kids were in the back and it was a road trip and my daughter, I think she was like two at the time or something was screaming at the top of her lungs because she could not open the fruit snacks. And I remember how interesting it was. I was thinking, if you were to put these two instances side by side, uh-huh. me trying to keep the kids alive in the van and not die mm-hmm. and not opening the fruit snack, mm-hmm. one could argue that my plight was a little more upsetting than hers. Mm. But that's not really but... true at all. Yeah. It's not it's true the... at all. Because for her, her entire world was that something was out of her reach. She was feeling powerless, right? And so her emotions and my emotions were, it's it's just as valid. So anyway, the reason I bring this up is that I think this is why it's so important for us to never judge, you know, for, for good or for bad, what our client is experiencing and just be willing to be there with them in whatever they need and whatever they need to see. Yes. Yes. I'm with you. So tell me anything else you notice that people, where people get stuck or struggle or maybe have even missed opportunities when it comes to coaching their clients with grief? Oh, let's see. What haven't we covered? So we talked about grief miss, talked about holding the space. I think also partly it's, it's recognizing when you have fallen in, I think we come into coaching. I don't know if you find this, but I find this to be true. We, we get this idea that if we're a good coach, somehow we don't fall into the pool, mm-hmm. which I think is so unfair and mm-hmm. unreasonable. Mm-hmm. And so then of course, you know, we come into coaching the scary stuff. Of course, that's a mm-hmm. thought, but that's what we think. Mm-hmm. And then we put even more pressure on ourselves to not fall into the pool. Mm-hmm. And what we really need to be spending time on is thinking about, okay, no, I'm totally going to fall in at some point. Mm. And my goal isn't to not fall in. It's mm-hmm. just to recognize when I have fallen in 
mm-hmm. and pull myself out mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. Like even I did this this week. I had to coach myself on this, mm-hmm. where I got an email from one of my clients who was like, I'm too old to do the program. Right. And in my brain, I was like, oh yeah, she is too old. Probably. Mm-hmm. I can see how like the technology <laughs> is, it's too much for her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's some crap. She's in Slack. She's posting fine. What are we talking about here? If I don't, if I don't stand up for her, mm-hmm. right. If I don't mm-hmm. believe in her highest good, Mm-hmm. she should fire me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I think we have like, that's the, the level of, of self-awareness that we have to have. And that, and it, and it really, we are just doing ourselves a disservice mm-hmm. if we say it's never going to happen. No, it's totally going to happen, but how do we pull ourselves out of it? And mm-hmm. then, and how do we create also a lot of us depends on what you coach. I think but mm-hmm. I coach, I have so many clients crying all the time. Yeah. I am very fine with clients crying. I I don't believe emotions are problems. I don't believe they're contagious. I don't believe my client is supposed to be somewhere other than they are. And in my nervous system, I am very grounded no matter what emotional response Mm. I perceive in my client. But I get that that's not always the case. And so we have Mm -hmm. to figure out how do we ground ourselves Mm -hmm. even when our client is experiencing some big stuff. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's like watching what's happening in our brain. Sometimes that's figuring out what's happening in our body and how to pull ourselves back to where we want to be. But, mm-hmm. you know, we can't, it, it cliche, but like, we're not going to be able to, to help them if we're, if we're triggered by what's happening in whatever they're bringing to us. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of us are a little bit scared of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask also what, like if there was one thing that you wanted to share with people who have found it maybe intimidating when someone Mm -hmm. comes to them with grief or they've tended to shut down, just like one little piece of advice or nugget. Don't overcomplicate it. Mm. Don't overcomplicate it. I rely truly on this thought that I have the model and the model always works. And Mm -hmm. that helps me, right? Because Mm -hmm. the biggest problem is that you'll think it doesn't apply because you'll think their circumstance really is terrible. Mm -hmm. And that if you point out to them that it is an interpretation that their circumstance is terrible, that that makes you a bad person or an insensitive person. Mm -hmm. But really you're doing them a service because you're showing them that they are powerful mm-hmm. and that, right. They, cause they come to you thinking that the thing that happened has power over them. Yeah. Yeah. And what we can show them is that no, actually they get to choose how they want to feel about this thing that has happened. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we have to choose to be happy, but that helps us start seeing the thing as less powerful and ourselves as more powerful, right? Coping, you know, self-efficacy. It's, it's, can I see that my power lies within me? And that's really all I ever need. And, and that starts with C versus T. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing as you were talking, I know that as I've worked with my clients on their coaching ability, something that we've talked about, which I think is really important to bring up is that I think it's important to find the language that works for you and works for your clients as Mm -hmm. well. Because while if I'm believing, oh, this is a terrible thing that happened, 
or this isn't terrible at all. Either way, right? If I'm bringing an opinion, it's not useful. And yet I do think sometimes using language that might seem normal to us as coaches, like circumstance being neutral or something like that, our client can actually experience that as very dismissive. And I think that while well-intended, it can be so much less than helpful. So I just, as you were talking, I wanted to add to this, like those of you listening, like keep it simple and trust that you can show your client that they have power in this. But please, please do not get in a situation or power struggle where you are trying to convince your client that their situation or circumstance is neutral. No. If that doesn't resonate with them, right? Especially, I I just think it's important to acknowledge that. And the other thing kind of along those lines is sometimes I think that as coaches, you can think that the point is to convince your client that something is neutral or that they should think and feel neutrally about something. Mm -hmm. But that's not the point at all. Not at all. Right? Circumstances, situations in and of themselves do not have power over your client. The point isn't to convince them or get them to think or feel differently at all. Right? But just to really show them so they can see where their power is. Yeah. It's just to go from unconscious thinking, Mm -hmm. right? To intentional choice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes we will choose, like I said, we will choose to believe, you know, I I didn't want this to happen. This was awful. It's sad. I miss them. Yeah. And and that's not a problem. And and thinking about how to use the model, then, you know, we kind of want to consider we just interrupt that model at the F line. We don't, we don't Mm -hmm. need to get rid of the negative emotion to prevent the behavior mm-hmm. that we might take mm-hmm. if we act on it, mm-hmm. right? We can, mm-hmm. that that then becomes the art of teaching the client and helping them allow the feeling. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because they might not want it to go away. They just might want to have a different experience of it. And teaching yeah. them that their circumstance is neutral or arguing that point usually misses the point of what the client came to you for coaching for. Yeah. That's usually not the yeah. issue. It's not like, well, you, you know, you're sad because of your thinking, right? Okay. (laughs) All right. That's not really what they came to you for. Right. Um, You know, and yeah, so we have to understand what, what is it that they need support with, as opposed to just assuming we heard, we heard a thought and a feeling and yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not pick a thought and, you know, grab a thought, any thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this has been awesome. Krista, tell my listeners where they can find you and especially where they can find out about your advanced certification. Yes. Yeah. So for those who are interested in the advanced certification, and we didn't really talk about post-traumatic growth, but that is part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Is you can email support at coachingwithkrista.com. Mm-hmm. support at coachingwithkrista.com. And then just tell us you want to be added to the interest list and we'll mm-hmm. add you to the interest list. And then when it is available to the to um, register for, you'll be the first to know. Mm-hmm. And then okay. coachingwithkrista.com is where to find everything else in terms of links to the podcasts and you know all of my social connections and such. Perfect. And your podcast name is? The Widowed Mom Podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But don't let that name stop you from listening if grief Mm -hmm. is something you want to learn about. Because Mm -hmm. while it is 
four widowed moms. I have mm-hmm. people all the time who listen to it, who they have no widowed moms in their lives and they are not a widowed mom, but they just want to learn about grief and post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I try to make it, you know, very relevant and broad in that way. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here, Krista. This is great. Thanks for letting me come on. It was a blast. Awesome. awesome. All right. Have a good one. All right. Take care, Molly. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Masterful Coach Podcast. You can check out www.thecoachingcollective.com for info about the ultimate program for coaches building a business. To find out more about Molly, you can visit www.mollyclair.com. Thank you.